it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland for today's LaneCast. Hello everyone, it's time for another agriculture conversation on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. On today's show, we are going to be joined by an individual who truly is one of the most optimistic individuals I have ever had the chance to meet and spend time with. He's a person that always has a positive outlook on things. He's a man of God and a true family man. We will be joined by my friend Sean Erickson, or as he's known in the countryside, Sean Tater Erickson, since he hails originally from Idaho. In today's conversation, we will discuss multiple issues from wildfires that occurred in December 2021 to Tater's work in providing risk management tools for farmers and ranchers, and just a great conversation that he and I had during the Montana Grain Growers Convention just a few short days ago. We'll be back with Tater Erickson right after these sponsor words. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is the definitive voice of cattle producers in our nation's capital. NCBA is working on behalf of its members to protect your operation from government overreach and rising taxes. But the cattle business is under pressure, and we need every producer to join us to protect our way of life. Join NCBA today and help us protect the future of your farmer ranch. Visit ncba.org or call 866-233-3872 for more information. Hello, everyone. As we continue to have agriculture conversations on the Langcast Ag Podcast, as 2021 winds down, producers are looking back on this year with a lot of angst between the drought, grasshoppers, wildfires, and, and, and wildfires continuing here in the state of Montana late into this year. Uh, producers are looking forward to 2022, and, and actually uh, joining me is a friend that I've known for quite some time, Sean Tater Erickson, as he is known in central Montana and out across the uh, the region is with uh, Farmers Union Insurance. And uh, Tater, I want to talk about some of those uh, insurance options for producers out there, but uh, how are things going? We're actually recording this during the Montana Grain Growers Convention, but uh, how's uh, the convention going for you here today? Well, we, we kind of didn't get to come into the convention yesterday because we had a pretty tragic uh, fire event in central Montana. Um, we lost a lot of stuff from uh, the Denton-Stanford area, and we were fighting fire all night. And I'll tell you what, our heart really goes out to all those people that are have experienced loss and, and, and challenge. And it was great to see our communities come together from as far away as, as, as uh, you know, I heard a big timber truck was coming in today to help with uh, protection. But we, we lost a sizable amount of uh, grass uh, that was challenging but we lost some homes and that's really hard on a firefighter when yep. you lose a home for someone you know where their dwelling is so our hearts and minds have really been with those people in Denton. Well and you, you, you I mean as I mentioned uh, you are involved in selling insurance but just like so many of our small communities you're also involved in volunteer capacities as a volunteer firefighter and and that's what makes our rural communities thrive is people coming together not expecting to get anything out of it but to lend that helping hand and and, and Denton is is no short uh, trip for you guys I mean that's what's 30 yeah. 40 minutes over there so I'm the fire chief at Hobson and and uh, they are our, our neighboring fire district but it's about a 30 minute 30 mile trip over there for us and you know as I look at you know what 
I'm blessed with and what my gifting in life is is really risk management when we look at things across uh, the industry. And, and, and this is when we're fighting fire, we're risk management, right? We're, we're part of the community to make sure that things get taken care of and they get covered. And you have that confidence that someone is standing there helping you and being a part of things. So, yeah, it's, it just falls hand in hand with risk management that we look forward to in, in these times. Well, again, I, I thank you and, and everyone else that uh, uh, serves in fire departments, whether that be full-time or volunteer, and those that just uh, dropped everything they were doing to try to protect that community. And obviously, as you said, uh, homes were lost, and uh, that community is going to need a lot of support. They've had a lot of tragedies in the last 20 years as well, and I, I know that community can come together and, and rebuild but it's easier saying that than, than knowing the emotional toll, the stress, and, and whatnot that so many people have gone through. And, and I can't imagine to, to, to hear more about the, the farmers and ranchers that lost reserves, that lost hay, that uh, have to rebuild from there, too. It, uh, yeah, it, it, that's a t it's a tough subject to, to talk about. And, again, it was not probably probably easy to even make your way over here to the convention today because i know there's still a lot of cleanup going on over there and heck we had that big fire just uh, west of my house about three miles uh, on the gibson flats here at great falls so very terrifying what this wind is doing and what this uh, dry perfect fire conditions and, and it's the first of december it is and that i think that's what's shocking everybody is this is not our time frame but you know, you got to look at the blessings, too, that come out of that thing. And we, we recover from uh, things that try to take us down. And when we can come out stronger and smarter and better and become better managers, that's when we go. You know, I look at a lot of the people in our industry that are going through this drought for the first time and seeing it. You know, the young people that have came in, they're going to become a, such a better manager because of this. And I know that you don't always got to be Pollyannish and look at where the world uh, goes in that situation. But, but really, in reality, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And we found out that maybe potentially these pandemics and stuff hasn't killed us and we've come out stronger from it and i think that's what we've got to hold on to is that that we can become stronger as an industry and and, and as a nation and those kind of things and that's what we're really hoping for well again uh, uh thank you for your words and uh and uh, for all those that went out and have worked on those fires and, and to help uh uh, get a hold of them and uh, as you mentioned though managing risk and, and especially for these young producers that are just getting into the family business or going out on their own or folks that have been in the business you, you have to have some sort of risk management and a, a lot of people when they hear insurance are like well we have to have car insurance or we have to have health insurance well uh, there's a lot uh, more when it comes to uh, having risk management tools for producers. What, what, what are some of those conversations you have at the local cafe in Hobson when you're talking with uh, producers about creating more opportunities to, to really hedge that risk? So it's really great to talk about that. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, when we talk about risk, uh, we do talk about it as a hedge or, or, or into the commodity markets that way. And Boy, as soon as you say that, it usually just turns everybody's mind off and, and you shut down. And you're like, man, I don't understand this. This gets too complicated. What we offer here and, and kind of do is we do a little different risk management strategy. And, and one of my things is hope isn't a strategy, right? I think if we look back at some of the political things that have been said in life and we had the hope and change strategy, well, how'd that work out for us in different situations? And so I think when we look at where we're going, we've got to take more than just hope that the prices will be better. We've got to take advantage of those that come into play. And so we found an opportunity to do that for the cow guy and, and the cattle producer. And, and that's not really happened in, in times past. They've never really had these options. You know, they've had crop insurance, but a lot of times those didn't work out for them the way that they wanted. 
But this is an opportunity, and this is sometimes it's hard for people to understand about livestock risk management uh, protection, but this is a really key tool to help them manage the downside risk of the cattle market, which we know that has to happen. So maybe let's expand more into this. I mean, this is a product that uh, we, we talk about on radio and TV quite a bit, but we, we only share about 30 seconds of it. Just just reminding producers of important deadlines and encouraging the, them to reach out to their insurance providers. But, but at the meat of the matter, when a producer sits down with you, especially in the livestock, and says, how will this help me? What, what, what is your response then? So my response is, is that we're really just protecting a price and time, right? We're protecting when you're, I tell people a lot of times that we hear the prices say when you're, when you're out calving and you're feeding hay in, in February and man, the, the board looks great. We, we got great prices coming across that board. How do I capture that? And so you get on the phone and you try to call your local rep for uh, uh, selling your cattle and say, hey, would you be interested in, in uh, buying my calves? And they're like, I don't have a price right now, right? Well, one, because the price is high, right? Yeah. Or, or they don't even answer the phone anymore. And it's not on them. It's because they don't have a price. And they don't yeah. want to disrespect you by saying, hey, I don't have a price. Or they go to the local sale barn and say, what am I going to get, right? Those guys, are, those guys are working and marketing your cattle extremely hard, but they can't guarantee what that's going to be. And so we're giving yourself a little bit of insurance against that price dropping out from you. And so we've known in this last year, we've had some pretty, or last couple of years, we've had some pretty crazy things. COVID really took the feet out from the cattle, feeder cattle industry uh, and really knocked it out. But one that was really surprising to everybody was a fire in a quarter of a plant in Kansas shut down the cattle market so intensely by people didn't understand what that was, right? And so we're managing against risk and we are, we're really coming into a great time in the cattle industry. The cattle cycles in a positive change. We're going to see things start to rise. And so we are in a great time. So how do we capture that? And how do we capture against geopolitical things that we didn't even know were going to be a problem? And so this is a great opportunity to manage your, your risk from that downside drop. So when we're looking at the details, what, when is, when, when do folks have to uh, select these options? So it's really simple, and I and I put out a, a, a email uh, every night uh, that the cattle markets are open. Pretty much, there's you know sometimes you get busy in life and it doesn't happen, but pretty much I put out a market, and whatever the market ends at that day, they give us give us a settlement price, and we do what I determine is an unsophisticated put option. It is just an insurance, and so we are able to buy that product at that price. And, and get it. And so what, what does it typically cost? Yeah, it typically costs oh, between $25 and $30 uh, per head to, to lock in that price. And so we, we put that protection in, right? And you don't pay for it until you sell your cattle, until that time you have the end date that's coming out and that time in place. When that comes due in, say, like October or November, then, then if that price is lower than what you locked in, they're going to pay back your premium and if it's low enough, you'll actually get cash back. And so we're able to protect those cattle oftentimes for half the price of that premium for $15 a head or, or even maybe maybe you're getting a little bit of cash back if it really gets bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and there could be a cow-calf producer listening to this. And, you know, I, I talk to a lot of producers and they're like, ah, we don't even pay attention to the futures markets anymore. They, they, they're not dependable or, or they, they may have an excuse for something. And uh, as we look at agricultural producers having to address the the question of what is sustainability what is uh, how are you sustainable on your 
landscapes, how are you sustainable, uh, and your financial practices should also be a part of that sustainability conversation. Uh, I, I guess when you're talking to these producers, uh, what, what is the age range of folks looking at these options? Can, can you quantify that? Yeah, so really easily. It's, it's, it's interesting. I've had a lot of young, young producers that, that do not have a propensity for risk in their operation. They, they're running with such a tight margin that they've got to, they've got to find a tool that helps them. And then I have some people that are uh, recommended to me by uh, banking and lending institutions that say, hey, you've got to get some kind of risk protection in place. And so I've had some of that success. And, and then also just people who are, who are tired of seeing this margin, this, this value disappear from their cattle when their cattle need to sell. Because no matter how we do it in, in most everything, if we sell on a video sale or we sell at the livestock auction, we have one date and time in a year to get that price. And if everything lines right, then we do well at that time. If it doesn't, we take the we take that risk, and so we can spread it out. So we build strategies around that, where we can spread out that marketing day, and protect that price out there. And so what the what's the difference? And I think here's a key thing. I think a lot of people need to understand, Lane, is we're not protecting eleven hundred dollar calf necessarily, right? If the markets went completely down, then maybe we'd have that chance, but. In reality, we're protecting that little bit of margin, that 10, 15, 20% that you need to have to keep going that's going to help pay off that note. That's what we're truly protecting. And so we really can utilize a tool like the Mercantile Exchange that sets out a price every day that we can say, okay, this is what the rest of the world is saying it is. Maybe your cattle are worth more than that. Maybe whatever whatever you negotiate with is what it is, but we can be protection against that price that, that ultimately place into your successor not now what are some other maybe policies a farmer or rancher should look at that they may traditionally not have thought about because oh we're going to have that hay fed anyways by the by the time it would make any difference well there's some producers this week where their winter hay supply is gone yeah. What, what 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 are some maybe uh, insuring hay, insuring other commodities? What what are things? And I know a lot of producers. I'm sure that are listening. Like, oh, we 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 insure everything. Well, sometimes it doesn't cross producers' minds to do that. Well, one of the things I've learned about the insurance industry is you're never covered as much as you think you are. Right? We we don't want to stop and read the fine lines and, and the fine print in our policies. Uh, hay insurance is a really key thing. And, I, and and first off, I tell people, go look at your policy that you have in place for the farm ranch and figure out what that coverage is. Do you have a coverage for a thousand ton of hay set in one's hay yard surrounded by a bunch of grass fields? Probably not. You probably have a limit on that stack and that stack has to be a certain amount away. And there's some little things that go into that, right? And I've had people be pretty frustrated that, well, my stack's too close to road so we can't insure it. Well, Here's the deal. The rules are the rules, and we've got to follow them. Yeah. But really know what you really truly have coverage for, and your local agent is going to be the one that's going to help you, and that's the first place you start with. And and don't be surprised if it's way undervalued because we have the price of hay is $300 a ton. Most of that hay was figured at 90 mm-hmm. And so you've got to make sure you understand that. Yeah. But there are some private products that are out there that have been really key that, that you know, I was figuring out $100,000 uh, coverage on a stack in one stack is is can be bought for as little as nine hundred dollars for that coverage and so that'll cover against fire it'll cover against theft that's some things some people aren't thinking about i know a lot of people in our country have put up actual game cams to watch and <laughs> as people you wouldn't yeah. think that you would steal hay but man when you get some people around you that are up against the wall you might see some weird stuff happen and uh, how do you protect against that and so 
does it fit for everybody? No, but I'll tell you, when we have fires in, De- in, in December, yep. it sure makes you think about it. Yep. Uh, on a maybe lighter note, is that uh, trailer load of hay still sitting at uh, its old moldy looking hay at uh, Armington Junction? It was there the other day when I went down to the in-laws place, but it's been sitting there for like a month with the back wheel off the end. Yeah. Uh, was it sitting there today when you no, came it, by? No, it wasn't sitting there today, but you, you know, know the one I'm a, talking about there's, probably there's, if you drove by a, there. There's been a lot of uh, <laughs> interesting stories about those hay, and you know you get a lot of people who understand that they've got to bring a lot of hay into an area so they decide to get the trailer pulled out from the back pile and get the truck going and now they become a truck driver and usually about after the second trip they're over that job real quick and especially in the wind this year yeah and that ten thousand dollar semi you bought and that twenty thousand dollar set of trailers you got and it isn't very fun and we've watched them going down the road the other day somebody lost the end bale off of their straw bale in the middle of the road and hobson and the sheriff asked me to go move it off the road and i thought he meant it was a real bale together well it was exploded straw bale and all I brought were my pallet forks, and we were hustling like crazy to get that off the road, and people were driving through the hay. You know, all those things, that hay wasn't designed to be transported as far as it's happened to go, but we're just really thankful. You know, you really think about producers and you think about the grain growers, right? Really thankful for how many people in the grain grower industry allowed people to put up straw, right? And, and, and that's not a normal practice for them. And, yeah, it's been an inconvenience for a lot of people to do that, but Montana has really come together and helped each other find out uh, best ways to be able to feed our livestock and I think that's going to be a key thing. I'll tell you earlier fire and I think this is a great story that happened uh, north of Denton this year and they've had two major fires yep. this year, um, three actually, and uh, one of the producers lost a bunch of hay and uh, one of his neighbors said, went and said, hey, um, you you bought some, we were buying some hay from me anyways. He said, why don't we just trade this hay out next year? When you get hay, you can just trade this hay back out to me. And so that $300 a ton hay has probably really got sold for $90 a ton, but that helped that guy out that year. Yep. And that's what we see in our communities that are really positive. Yep. Well, one thing is if they would have made Smokey and the Bandit this year mm-hmm. in, in Montana, they would have been running uh, probably hay and straw instead of a Coors Original. <laughs> right. You know, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you too, I think we've got to be thankful. And I know this isn't a normal statement to hear from people, but we've got to be thankful for our DOT guys that have allowed us to be able to haul some yep. say because there's been some it's it's hard to get it across here it's hard to always be legal and and we have some people that are that are um trying their heart out to get stuff to people yeah well also uh how how did the rodeo season go you i know you and the kids and the wife are very active in the in the youth in the high school rodeos how how, how did they uh, shape up going into the winter break well we uh, we have spent way more money than we should be spending but we've had a great time going out um, my oldest son is sitting first in the all-around first in the calf roping first in the team roping and second in the steer wrestling so he's had a phenomenal fall and we've just been really excited to chase them. Uh, my youngest son started this year, and he's had a pretty successful year for a start. And my daughter's got a new barrel horse, and we've been just chasing around the state of Montana, having a lot of fun, yep. fun as a family. Well, it's amazing what can you do with a, a 30-foot rope there and not a 60-foot one. Yeah, it, yeah it is kind of kind of <laughs> funny what can happen when they get, get really fast and going. But yep. it's been fun to watch our kids, and that's what really this a lot of this excitement is, is being able to raise our families in such great communities. Yep. Well, I can't believe how fast they've grown and uh oh my gosh it makes me makes me really feel old here you Peter. are you are old. i am old. you are old i mean i'm getting gray uh eyebrows i'm getting really gray i'm, uh, I'm going for santa claus your beard looks community. pretty good yeah. though yeah. Are, are you gonna be santa well i'm working on you're it. working we, we've on got it. somebody else in there but I, if okay. i can just eat a little more and get a bigger belly i think i'm gonna be you're there. gonna push them out yeah okay
Well, again, uh, Tater Erickson joins us uh, with Farmers Union Insurance. Uh, before before we do wrap up, uh, give a plug for your, your agency. Yeah, there. if you want to get a chance to learn about more about my stuff, uh, get on rangeandlivestockinsurance.com. And on there are some videos talking about how this works. And, and we're out of Hobson, Montana. And the easiest way to get a hold of me is on the phone at 366-1287, 366-1287. It's a 406 number. But rangeandlivestockinsurance.com, if you want to be on my email, just jump on there and, and shoot me a message. Uh, we just get a chance to learn and to see how things are going. And it's actually, uh, it's actually pretty informative for a lot of guys. Well, again, uh, Tater, thanks for joining us. And Tater did not pay for this airtime either. I just thought it'd be great to, to talk about these options. And I think we had a great conversation here, learning more about uh, those opportunities. And again, uh, Tater, thank you. And thank you to all those firefighters. And how about this? What, what, how important is it for folks to volunteer for, to be an EMT, to be a uh, to be a part of the fire department, how, how important and, and and the need is great. So take a community like we have in, in Central Montana and, and Judith Basin County, for an example. We were talking about this one day as, as finding EMTs in our community. You figure half your population is of a retired population, right? And then the other half makes up of your families. And so your families are in there, and, and a lot of those are young kids, right, that aren't old enough to do that. So your pool starts to get really small, and then you have some people that just don't have, they just don't want to see that stuff, right? And so our pool gets really, really small. But I'll tell you what, I think we're seeing a resurgence in people seeing what the value of being local, what the value of being home is, and what the value of of, of, of your community, that, that we really protect our own. Yep. And so volunteering and doing those kind of things, yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge from time to time but in reality the reward is so high um i i i my heart hurts because we didn't get to protect that community as well as i would have liked to mm -hmm. but we were able to still protect a lot of that community and we will we will grow and we will rebuild yep and also for the folks that uh, are unable to to be volunteers with in those respective uh uh emt being firefighter uh, remember to, to donate every year or mm -hmm. whenever you can to those funds when they're passing the boot around or when you're down at the fire hall raising those funds if you can't make it to town make sure and make that annual christmas yeah. donation because it could be your house or operation on fire next and, and we know the value of it but just just a reminder especially as we come up on christmas and think of these families that don't have a home mm -hmm. and i know that's tough on you tater uh, in your role but uh, i know that community will, will will surround those those families yeah and, and reach out it's it doesn't have to i mean the dent community would take any support that you can get and i think that's a key thing but what can you do in your own backyard to support your own local community and i think that's going to be a key thing so if anybody has opportunities to help out the Denton community, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff being set up and done. Um, it might be just cleaning up that needs yep. help with. So there's a lot of things you can do that don't cost money because some of us are in some financially tough times, but we've got one one valuable resource, and that's time and energy. Yep. Well, again, thank you so much to Tater Erickson for joining us uh, here today. Any last words of wisdom before I let you go back to your booth? Well, I'll tell you what, from when we first started doing podcasts, when we were pushing this a long time ago, when I was one of your first ones to do it, we've come a long ways, a lot fancier microphones, and I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this. It's fun to see where your career is going. That's <laughs> yeah, a joke, that's right. right. That's yeah, did you like that? <laughs> no, it's fun to see. Well, again, thank you so much, and uh, 
Uh, thank you, Tater. And, and again, as I mentioned before, we can never be thankful enough for all the men and women that volunteer in our local communities. And uh, our prayers are with everyone in central Montana and up on the High Line going through these severe fires here uh, in, in the middle of December when there's no snow on the ground. So let's pray for snow, let's pray for our communities, and let's pray for all farmers and ran ranchers that have so much weight on their shoulders each and every day. Tater, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, friends, that will do it for this agriculture conversation on the Lancast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Nordlund. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Lanecast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lanecast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the Lanecast.